Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Tomorrow's going to be better than today. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green here in Portland on AM860 The Answer and also in Pennsylvania, Tulsa, and Texas. West Texas, way up in West Texas there. And on the Golf News Network, I'm Jeff Tracy. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended, and also John Breaker and his crew back at Birdie Ball in Colorado. Birdie Ball is a great practice tool for your backyard, and you can have a lot of fun with it too. So check them out on birdieball.com. So uh, today we're very fortunate to have Bob Estes, who's now currently playing on the PGA Champions Tour. Bob is a friend of a friend. And of a friend like that. And so we wrangled him into being on the show. Bob, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be able to join you. Yeah. So um, how was Richmond last week? Let's just start off right at the top there. Um, well, I ended up tying for 25th. I guess I can work backwards from there. And um, I, you know, didn't get off to a, a great start. Um I shot even part of that first round, and I've done that too often this year where I my first rounds were, um, you know, around par, maybe one under, maybe one or two over. Um, so that was kind of a, a bad trend that I've been in this past year. But um, in that second round, uh, and not that I was playing that poorly, I just couldn't quite get anything going. And then um, <clears throat> middle of that second round, um, I hit a tee shot left, hit a tree, um came straight down punched it out had it basically chip out in the fairway hit a good third shot into the green win laid ended up making double three part of the next hole and that was pretty much my my round two but then I, I played really solid the last day shooting three under to move back up from about you know 50 at the 25th so um anyway at least I played good on Sunday um and you know to to move up and you know make more points than I was about to well you get a check that way that's a good thing, isn't it? Well, everybody gets a check. It's just about how big a check you make. And that was, you know, the first round of our playoffs last week. So um, the points are double each of the three playoff events. So uh, I wish the money was double, but it was just the points. But, I got uh, it. Anyway, I moved up two spots. I moved from 44 to 42. The top 36 will make that final event in Phoenix. The top 54 play this next week in Boca. So I'm, I'm easily in the top 54, but I probably have to finish in the top um, three, I'm guessing, <clears throat> to move up into that top 36 to make it to Phoenix. Well, good luck with that. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I got to tell you something, Bob. I enjoy watching the Champions Tour sometimes more than the regular tour. In fact, a lot of times more than the regular tour, but I'm kind of a weird guy because I grew up with you guys. I mean, I didn't know you personally, but I mm -hmm. grew up watching you all 
play more so than some 22 year old out of, uh, you know, Eastern New York or something that um, nothing wrong with that. But I, I do enjoy seeing you guys play out there. You guys used to come to Portland too and play, but I don't think you do anymore. You come to Seattle, I believe. Um, well, yeah. Um, Snoqualmie um, yeah. outside of Seattle, which is a really beautiful place and a very scenic golf course with dramatic elevation changes. But, um, I've never played in, in Portland, but, um, I guess we played, um, the PGA championship, um, at Sahali, um, either once or twice, uh, maybe, maybe one of those was a world golf championship event. I can't remember now, uh, you know, some of those tournaments kind of run together a little bit, but sure. But um, yeah, the, the the Boeing up there in Snoqualmie is just, you know, one of my favorite tournaments. Yeah, I wish you guys would actually, they could make it stop either before or after uh, the Snoqualmie stop and, and come to Portland. Because it's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a golf crazy town. We've got a lot of golfers and a lot of golf courses here and some really nice ones. But for some reason, uh, last PGA type event we had was the Winco, which was on uh, now called the corn Ferry tour and, uh, has been for a few years, but, um, those again, were the young guys, we didn't get to see all the seasoned veterans come through very often like that. When, when you started, uh, playing golf as a kid, I read your bio. We, uh, we don't know each other folks, but I read your bio. Did you know you were going to end up playing professional golf How or I should say, how soon did you get that idea in your head? I knew when I was at least 11 years old and maybe 10 years old that I wanted to be a professional golfer. So I was still playing all the other sports at the time, but I had had a lot of success as a junior golfer. And I just remembered how much I enjoyed watching the guys play on television um, when I was growing up. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when I, when I talked to a lot of folks like you, um, it it kind of varies, but it seems that all of them before they reached the age of 15 decided that they wanted to take a shot at being a pro like that. If you, if you had to do anything else, what would you do besides be a pro golfer? Well, as far as the education goes, I was pursuing a degree in education, mm -hmm. um, mainly just to, you know, try to make sure I got a degree, but it would have taken me um, one more year to graduate. And I played so well my senior year that, you know, I needed to go ahead and turn pro and go through the qualifying process. But um, I, I would imagine that, you know, being a college golf coach was, was something that, you know, would probably be next on the list. My, my dad was a, a coach. He coached football, basketball and golf. And he was my um, high school golf coach for all three years that I was in high school. But um, that's something that I probably would enjoy. And you played basketball, right, in college? No, just through high school. Just yeah. through high school? I, I was playing football, baseball, basketball, and golf through the sixth grade and ran a little bit of track. But um, it was but – I, but I had to, you know, make um, – uh, not, not really a tough decision, but there was only so much time and energy, and so I needed to cut that back. So from the seventh grade through high school – I was pretty much just playing um, golf for six months and basketball for six months with a little bit of overlap on each end. Yeah, I think we all uh, that played in school at some time had to make a choice. Um, I came out of the horse world, and so I had to choose between 
high school athletics and competing in the horse world. And I, and I went with the horses. Uh, <clears throat> my family was very heavily involved in that. So that was kind of an easy choice for me, but um, it's always interesting to hear what you guys do other than golf. Uh, I like that a lot. Is it different being on the champions tour versus when you were touring with the, the, the regular PGA tour? Um, yeah, in different ways. Um, well, you only play three I rounds think, and, and uh, most, most events, um, our, our five majors are all four rounds. Mm -hmm. Three of those have a cut. Obviously on the PGA tour, most of the events do have a cut. So we don't have to, to worry about that nearly as much as we used to. Um, typically, we, since we're playing um, 78 players most weeks, at times we played 80 or 81, but most of our regular events were playing 78 players. And so we just, um, and we take off one in 10, um, almost every round every week, as far as the regular events go, not the mm -hmm. majors. Um, and so, um, yeah, we just, uh, well, I lost my train of thought there on the, um the tea times and all and but um is it a little <laughs> easier though a little more accommodating oh. um what do you mean more accommodating well like um as far as the travel schedule because you guys don't play every week oh, in and is. out yeah and that's that's part of it and what i was about to say was what i was leading up to with the tea times uh, we don't have to get up nearly as early um for most of those rounds as we did on the PGA tour. Now you might have to for a pro-am round. Sure. Uh, some of those, some of those start as early as seven or seven fifteen or seven thirty in the morning. But usually we tee off between um, you know, nine and eleven, ten and twelve, eleven and one. And so um, yeah, that's something that's kind of nice also. We don't have to get up quite as early as we did <laughs> on the PGA tour. I can appreciate that. It, uh, once you get over 50 folks, that extra hour of sleep or whatever becomes kind of important, or at least practical we're going to take a break we're going to be bob back with bob estes uh off the pga champions tour here on grilling at the green in just a minute please stay with us everybody it's jt and this is a special version of grilling at the green grilling at the green is brought to you in part by painted hills natural beef beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends that's painted hills natural beef welcome back to grilling at the green i'm jt um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and all the platforms. Um, it's, it's not hard to find us if you've not, not heard the show before. And this is the show where I always ask our guest, <coughs> excuse me, um, if they have a golf trip travel tip. Uh, this is brought to you by Kia, Weston Kia here in Portland. But uh, people's tips vary. Mm -hmm. And if you had uh, one travel tip for people, Bob, related to golf, what would it be? I know this is kind of an out of the blue question, but you've you've traveled, you know, ten million miles in your career. So, uh, what would it be? Well, my first thought is is to plan that trip well in advance. <clears throat> you know, as 
whether it has to do with booking flights or, you know, booking a hotel or Airbnb or whatever. Um, if you want to get what you really want um, and, and maybe even, you know, for a, a lower price, book well in advance. So you want to try to plan those trips in advance. Um, I've, I've messed up a few times by not um, booking flights in particular, you know, as soon as I should have. And then I might have to make a connecting flight or I might have to wait until the next morning to fly as opposed to flying out, you know, on a particular night. So, um, yeah, being able to, to plan those trips out fully in advance is probably the, the best advice I can give. Yeah, um, I can appreciate that. And we want to thank the folks at Weston Kia for uh, having our guests uh, answer this question. Uh, so I don't know too much about the inner workings of the Champions Tour, but do you have the a similar or same support system as the other tour? And by that, I mean, uh, you were talking about booking flights. Uh, I know that working with some of the corn Ferry tour guys, they have an office there. Now they can book their flights or they have some folks that might help them once in a while. They have their kind of their own bank there where they can, you know, get money, draw off their account or whatever. There's different things that people don't see behind the scenes. Is it the same on the champions tour? Well, my first thought there is, and you kind of alluded to it is we have PGA tour travel. Mm -hmm. So they help the players in the PGA tour corn Ferry tour champions tour you know probably, you know the other smaller tours as well um and then they're very helpful um i mean a lot of times i'm looking things up online in advance but the uh, pga tour travel is um, very helpful as far as um, making it easy to to book flights and sometimes um rental cars as well um, usually we do the hotels through the the tournaments themselves mm -hmm. but um but pga tour travel is very helpful Oh, well, that's that's good to know that they support you. You touched on it in the uh, the first segment, Bob, about uh, uh, pro-ams. Pro-ams are a big deal for sponsors and media people that get to play, uh, play around with you guys like that. Are those – I've played in a couple of them. Let me back up and say it that way. I've played in a couple of them, and sometimes the pros seemed – distracted of course you don't know what's going on with them personally they're there in the morning and they got a smile on their face and they shake hands and you play with them and all this and then other times the pros are very open and they like to laugh and have a good time and they torment you i can remember one time uh in in portland at peter jacobson's deal they uh lee trevino was there and they were playing in a pro-am and Somebody had hit the approach shot. It was on the backside of the green, right on the fringe there, right on the first cut. And everybody walked up there with their putter, except this one gentleman. And Trevino looked at him and said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm going to chip it. He goes, the only person in the world that can make that chip is Ray Floyd. And you're not Ray Floyd. So go get your putter. And the crowd <laughs> laughed and the guy felt a little embarrassed, but Trevino was right. So, uh, how is the interaction on those, especially for people that have watched you guys play for years? Well, kind of like what you were saying earlier, it depends on the player and it might depend on the circumstances. Um, on the Champions Tour, we understand that, um, you know, the pro-ams, and we usually have two pro-ams, one on um, Wednesday and one on Thursday. So we have two pro-am days and, and there might even be a pro-am on Monday and some tournaments might even have maybe an offsite pro-am on Tuesday. It kind of varies from week to week. Sure. But the players on the Champions Tour, um, 
you know, understand that, um, I mean, first of all, the, the Champions Tour doesn't even have to exist. You know, we're so grateful that it does, but we also understand how important the pro-ams are to the existence of the Champions Tour. So I think for the most part, the guys are really, really good at um, making the amateurs feel comfortable and helping them when we can. Some of them need a lot of help, and I would be one of them, you know, to to to, to watch out there. You, you know, but it's a typical thing. You hit a magnificent shot, and everybody goes, ooh, ah, and then your next three is skull them or something. So uh, it, I'm sure that happens a lot. We've pretty much seen it all. Um, <laughs> even even before I got on the Champions Tour, I think I've pretty much seen it all. But, um, yeah, we sometimes play with um, really good players, and sometimes we play with um, players that have maybe never played or it's only their second or third time on the golf course. And I had one of those um, a couple of months ago, actually, at the Boeing that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, um, I think it was his third time to ever play golf. He um, missed the ball about half the time, but he had a smile on his face the entire round and couldn't have had more fun than, you know, than he was. So oh, he, had a, yeah. he had a great time. Yeah, that's always that's always good. Um, do you guys still get the benefit of like some corporate outings, too, as you've you know, your career has gone on? I know that everybody in the world wanted a corporate outing with Tiger but that takes a big checkbook, but do you guys still get to do that too on the off weeks or off season? Well, again, that depends on the, the player and his status or, you know, how, how much he's wanted. Right. Um, and, and depending on your you know situation with um, um, corporate sponsors, some, some guys have at least as many as they did when they were playing the regular tour. And some guys maybe don't have any, you know, they're just the, the money that they make is the money that they make. Um, playing offsite pro-ams and in the official money that you make playing on the champions tour. So it just varies from player to player, but there, there are definitely, um, you know, some opportunities out there to, to play. Usually those are on Monday and occasionally on Tuesday and, and also, you know, the off weeks that you mentioned. So, so yeah. they're, we're there. Well, that's good. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Bob Estes, who's currently playing on the uh, PGA champions tour. Bob's got a very uh, lengthy career and he's done very well in the world of professional golf. And we're going to ask him some golf related questions. When we come back from the break, please stay with us. Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Um, we'd like to thank again the people at uh, Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. If you go to their website, they now have a, upgraded their website. And if you put in an order there, for example, if you type in uh, for the code BBQ Nation, that's my other show, Bob, uh, you get 15% off your order. And also at birdieball.com, 
like I said, birdie ball uh, practice mats were rated the number one mat by Mike Kulfsby back in 2022. So uh, check them out also. So we're talking with Bob Estes here. So let's talk about some things um, that are kind of been floating around in the golf world, especially the professional world for a while, Bob. What is your position, if you have one, on like rolling back the ball or tuning back the equipment or, you know, I mean, there's a million different things that people are seem to be concerned about on the pro golf tour. A lot of them are not pro golfers, but they seem still seem to be concerned about it. So why don't you just give us the thumbnail sketch of some of these things that you, um, I'm sure you've been asked that before, but um, let her rip. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of different directions to, to go with that. But um, of course, most of the discussion revolves around the size of the, the club head, driver head in particular, and the golf ball. <clears throat> and I remember, you know, when I was younger, you know, being able to play a round of golf in three hours, you right. know, when golf was smaller, you know, and obviously you can play less time than that too. Um, but a typical round of golf, when I was growing up, we'd play the front nine an hour and a half, um, maybe go inside and get something to, to drink or a snack and go play the back nine in an hour and a half. And so, you're, you know, you're done in about three hours or 3.15. And golf just continues to, to take longer and longer. And part of that is because, uh, you know, the building the golf course is um, a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. It has more to do, I think, with um, people. Well, let me go, let me backtrack just a touch. Sure. With the longer shafts and the bigger heads and faster swings and golfers overall probably are not getting that much better than they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm a lot more of those tee shots are hit farther offline. That's just geometry. Right. And so as you spend more time looking for golf balls, you're just adding time to the amount of time it takes to play a round of golf. And also just, I think in general, most people believe that the club head just doesn't need to be as big as it is. A 460 degree, a 460 CC head is way bigger than we used to play obviously back when we we're playing wooden heads or smaller steel heads like the, the bridgestone jays driver that i played for a few years on tour and so some of the skill comes out of that when the head is that big and um also when when the golf balls are as hot as they are so you know i guess there's a synergistic effect you know with the, the driver head the, the lightweight shafts which i'm not against um, and in a hotter golf ball, but, um, yeah, I would, I would like to see golf, um, yeah, kind of shrink. And sometimes I say shrink the game to, to grow the game. So I, I think more people would have more fun if, um, you know, golf didn't take quite as long. And it, I mean, you, you, you could play 27 holes, um, maybe 30 to 40 years ago and the amount of time that it plays, it takes to play 18 holes now. So, right. I mean, that sounds like more fun to me. Is it, is it also because we've got a lot more people playing? Um, I know that COVID where I live, I live in Oregon and when COVID came, uh, Oregon did not close down its golf courses. Washington did. All right. So we had this, uh, golf course Raiders that came down from across the river and took all the tee times when they could for courses in Oregon. And, and it was very difficult to get a tee time that wasn't at 
you know, 6.15 in the morning in the summer or 4.45 in the in the fall when you, you know, you could probably get five holes in before it really started to get dark. But is do you think also because of the amount of people that are playing is causing some of the slow play? Well, <clears throat> yes and no. I know that I have read articles and seen studies related to that where um, the tea times just aren't spread out enough. So obviously as they spread the tea times out to the, where they should be, you know, in 10 or 11 or 12 minute um, intervals, you can't get as many people on the golf course. So those courses aren't making as much money. I'm talking about the public courses. Of right. Course, right? Um, so yeah, maybe there just also aren't enough public facilities um, you know, to accommodate all of the, the the public that plays golf that either can't afford to join a private facility or just won't join a private club. Yeah, it becomes a, a cost factor, I think, at that point, even if they're golf nuts, um, you know, to pay an initiation fee or whatever the fees related to them. Some of them are very expensive. Some of them are, you know, kind of average, if you will but it's still a chunk of money and maybe they only play eight to 10 rounds a year. It might not be, you know, cost effective for them like that. Don't know. Mm -hmm. But I, I do know that I feel sometimes when we're playing that we tee off the ball, we tee off the tee off at the uh, number one, for example. And by the time we're hitting our second shot or our approach shot, somebody's hitting into us. And the guys I play with, we're not slow golfers. But they, like you said, they tend to stack them up. I think they figured out maybe they could get two more groups of people off every hour if they shaved a couple minutes mm. on each tee time. Not sure, but I I know from from that what I've what I personally experienced. The uh, the other thing is, do you really think uh, you touched on it a minute ago when you said growing the game? Um, I, I'm going to throw something out at you, Bob. I think one group that we overlook uh, as far as quote unquote growing the game are the 40 to 45 year olds up to 60 year olds. I think we put a lot of emphasis on the kids, which is great. Um, and with, with first tee programs and all that, and I support all those and I actually do support them, but somehow I think that sometimes we miss the we overlook the people a bit that, maybe played when they were younger and then they went off and had a family and career and all that good stuff. And then all of a sudden they're in a position in life to maybe have some time to go play again. But I don't think we do enough for those folks. I'd like to get your take on that. Well, I'm not really sure how to answer that because, you know, you just touched upon what I was thinking. Um, so many, and it's not just men, you know, women too. Right. Um, probably more so men, just because more men play golf. But um, so many have told me that, you know, once they had kids and were raising a family, they had to stop playing, you know. And that also goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, you know, golf just taking too much time. Right. When you factor in everything that goes into playing around a golf. And so um, I really don't know how to, to answer that question because, you know, so many do get back into the game after you know their, their kids have grown up or after they're you know off to college but um um yeah i, I really i oh i understand I really, I really don't know how to, to answer that one yeah i just uh i'm i'm kind of a stats nut 
And so I, I like to read that. And, and it kind of occurred to me a couple of years ago that I was like, yeah, we're bringing a lot of kids in, um, even a lot of folks in their 20s just out of school. Maybe they played golf through school and all that. But what about the people that did like what I did? And I had to put down the sticks for a few years because we had a daughter and I was traveling for business and all this stuff. So maybe there isn't a good answer for that. But um, I think we do overlook them. That's just my my take on that. Uh, we've got a couple minutes here before we got to go to break. Who's your best pals out there on the Champions Tour that you like to go play practice rounds with or go have dinner with or once in a while you can kick them in the rear, make them do something you want them to do, whatever. Well, on the regular tour, one of my best friends was Lauren Roberts, but um, he retired from the champions tour a couple of years ago. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm friends with a lot of guys. Um, you know, we've, we've been playing with each other, competing against each other for so long, you know, that, you know, we have lots of history there. Some some of us might have gone to the same university. Some guys maybe just become good friends because their wives are good friends. Right. You know, something like that. So, you know, we have um, just for instance, um, on this tour right now, West Short um, with the University of Texas. And so we've gotten to know each other quite a bit better since I joined the Champions Tour. Um, Justin Leonard's out there. Harrison Frazier. Um, Tim Petrovic lives in Austin now. Um, there could be one or two others, but um Billy Mayfair and I grew up playing golf, um, you know, against each other since we were 14, 15 years old. Same with John Daly. So, um, you know, just, yeah, I think yeah. just, I think just in general, you know, everybody for the most part gets along because we've just been doing it together for so long. Come back and wrap up the show with Bob Estes from the uh, Champions Tour. Please stay with us. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, and we're with Bob Estes today. Uh, Bob's on the uh, Champions Tour. He's had a uh, great, great career. Um, couple of things uh you had you got hurt but back in 2011 you hurt your wrist or something well i've had different injuries but i've overcome all of them um but in 2000 well i can't remember you know exactly which years i had different issues you know whether it was elbow or wrist or the shoulder impingement but you might be talking well 2013 is when i developed a shoulder impingement that took you know at least a year and a half, year and three quarters to get over. My chiropractor and my trainer wanted me to avoid surgery if I could. And so I, I did like four or five different types of therapy. Not for sure which one helped the most, but it took that long to get over it before I was able to start back playing again. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, I'm an old horse guy. I'm a, I'm going to be the $6 million man before I'm done, Bob, from all the work in the body shop they do on me every once in a while to keep me keep me upright um you also host uh it, it said in your bio the christian athletes tom landry memorial golf tournament in austin tell us about that well i did for a number of years i'm not okay. doing that now even though okay. I, I still help out um i just got a little bit overwhelmed with everything that was was going on and so i had to start you know cutting back just a little bit 
Sure. And um, anyway, so I still help them out. I provide the golf balls for all of the amateurs that um, play in the Tom Landry FCA um, Greater Austin Pro-Am each year. They just had that a week or two ago. And um, I haven't talked to anybody yet um, involved with the tournament since then, but I'm sure they had a, another great event. Well, I think that's a, that's a good thing. Um, and you're also quite the, uh, you exercise properly is what I should say. It said in your bio that you have a, a follow a strict routine that includes weights, agility exercises, diet, and you still run sprints. Are you still running sprints? Um, no, not, not really. Yeah. That was some of that stuff is um, a little bit, um, you know, dated at times on our bios probably ought to update, you know, certain yeah. things, but no, I, if I'm, if I'm doing any sprints, it might be on the elliptical, you know, where yeah. it's up tempo, but I, I do more, um, up tempo walking on the, the treadmill or outdoors walking Hills or, um, you know, like I was just saying the, the elliptical, um, is also where I do a lot of my cardio work. But um, just about to, I kind of had to back off of the weightlifting a few years ago. I felt like I was getting just a little bit, um, you know, too tight and was losing some mobility. But um, I've kind of gone maybe a little bit too far in the other direction. I need to um, get some upper body strength back and get a little bit more power and a little bit more speed. So I'm looking forward to the, the next two or three months of the offseason. There you go. Are you going to play in Hawaii for the year? Um, no, I'm not in that tournament. I have to, unless I win, you know, the next yeah. one or um, one of the next two. Um, that's the only way for me to to qualify for the the tournament. At, I believe it's Wallowai. So I need to win to qualify for that. And um, if I don't win in Boca, hopefully I will still qualify for Phoenix, have another shot. And then if I don't, hopefully I'll win at least once next year and be in, in I guess, 2025. Maybe I'll see you there because my wife keeps prodding me for a another Hawaiian vacation. Everybody in my family has been there on vacation except me. I've been to the airport traveling overseas in Honolulu, but I never got to go explore the islands. So, um, you need to. Yeah, I I think that would be fun. We got a minute or so left here, Bob. What do you think is the greatest thing that came out of your golf career? Um, that could be, you know, a personal achievement, a win, or maybe just the, the cadre of friends that you've built over the year. But what personally do you think is the, the greatest thing that has come from your golf? Well, I mean, it is my job. And yeah. so it's obviously not just about the money, but it has, um, you know, provided me to, you know, have a, a nice living and also be able to um, give back to so many different charities. Um, I also had my mom working for me as a business manager um, for a number of years. She was a teacher, but um, about the time that she was a little bit frustrated with that, I needed more help. That was early in my career. So she was my business manager for most of my career. So that was nice to, to have that situation. Sure. Um, you know, of course, just all of the, the, the places I've gotten to, to go, all the great courses, all the other stuff that I've been able to see and do all because of golf. And I knew that um, that's what I wanted to do. Like I said earlier, when I was 10 or 11 years old. So it's been an amazing um, last, um, you know, 40 or 50 years. Absolutely. 
Bob Estes, uh, thank you very much for being with us here on Grilling at the Green. Like I said, Bob is going to stick around for a few minutes and do uh, after hours with us. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, go out, play some golf, have some fun, and remember, be kind. Take care, everybody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved. And remember, the key to lower scores, a pencil with an eraser. See you next week.